This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by BHP. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions in the production of copper is critical. That's why BHP has committed to solar, wind and battery agreements to help power their copper mine at Olympic Dam in South Australia. It's happening now at BHP. Visit bhp.com critical to find out more. Masa Amini was a 22-year-old Iranian woman who, in mid-September, was arrested by police for wearing her hijab or headscarf too loosely. She died in custody some days later. Her death has led to large-scale protests across Iran and the world. To understand this story, this week's Shortcut looks at what life is like in Iran, especially for women, how these protests are unfolding, and what might shake out in Iran's future. Squish Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, this story's really built ahead of steam over the past few weeks. Normally, protests in Iran are pretty quickly quashed by security forces, but the death of Masa Amini has sparked something quite different. Let's start at the beginning. Take us back to exactly what happened to her. Masa Amini was visiting her brother in the capital, Tehran, when Iran's morality police arrested her. They said that she was wearing her hijab too loosely, as you said, uh, showing too much hair under her headscarf. Uh, She was taken away in a police van, and we know that she died in hospital days later. Other women who were detained with her say that she was beaten and tortured by the authorities, uh, although they have said that she had a heart attack. And just to step it back for one second, you said she was arrested by the morality police. That's a real thing. Yeah, it is a real thing. Uh, The Guidance Patrol is the formal name given to those religious police in Iran. They literally patrol the streets in vans and they arrest people who violate the strict Islamic dress code set out by the country's rulers. So Mm. all women are expected to wear a hijab that covers their face, their neck and their hair, uh, and you risk punishment if you don't do that. Yeah, and it's okay to say that Iran is not a country that's been on our radar news-wise so much at the moment. It had a bit of time in the spotlight back in 2002 when US President George Bush referred to it as being part of the axis of evil. That's his quote. He was grouping it with Iraq and North Korea and saying it sponsored terrorism. But as I said, it's not really a place that's been in the news cycle a whole lot of late. So give us a snapshot of Iran as a country. So since 1979, more than 40 years, uh, Iran has been an Islamic republic. In 79, the people overthrew a pro-Western Shah or a king. Uh, He was the last Persian monarch and they replaced him with the Ayatollah Khomeini. Uh, Khomeini was an Islamic scholar and initially there was a lot of promises of democracy after the effective dictatorship of the Shah. That's not how it panned out, though. He pretty quickly, Claire, started ruling with an iron fist. Yeah, and thousands of academics and liberals and people from non-Muslim backgrounds were executed in those early days. And kind of like the Taliban before they took over Afghanistan, women were promised that they could be part of civil life by the Ayatollah. Mm. Uh, But the reality was that he instructed them to give up their jobs and to go back and raise large families. Uh, And their lives really very quickly became controlled by men. 
This was the beginning of those strict dress codes. Women are still fighting against those now. Yeah, that's right. And it's hard for people to picture now. Uh, but in the 60s and the 70s in Iran, women were embracing all of the fashions, the tight jeans, the mini skirts, the hairdos. Uh, and in fact, the king or the shah made hijabs illegal. Yeah, so to do a single leap, hijabs went from being banned to compulsory. That's a huge change. Yeah, it is a big one. And over the years, different governments in Iran have ebbed and flowed about how strictly they enforce the dress code. But this latest crackdown uh, that Masa Amini appears to have been caught up in uh, came just a couple of months ago with a decree from President Ibrahim Raisi uh, that violators flouting the so-called chastity law would be fined. Mind, uh, and anyone who posted pictures of themselves on social media without a proper head covering would get into trouble. Since then, dozens of women that we know of have been detained. Let's have a look now at how Iranians have reacted to all of this. As we said, Claire, these strict dress laws led to Masa Amini's arrest and death. They're nothing new. Why the big protests now? Why has this had such a reaction? Yeah, it's a good question because it's not like there haven't been protests over the decades uh, over women's dress codes. But this kind of looks like a bit of a tipping point. And mm. we know that this time the first sign of discontent came right after Massa's funeral, uh, where women ripped off their headscarves in solidarity. And the protests have spread to all corners of the country. Women have posted videos of themselves setting fire to the hijabs, uh, also cutting their hair. And in in some of those videos, there are crowds very loudly cheering them on. Yeah, there are a few chants in a lot of those videos. So roughly translated, women are calling out women, life and freedom. Yeah, and the other one is death to the dictator. Uh, that's a reference to the supreme leader, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei. Uh, he's been in power for the last 33 years. And you could be forgiven for being confused because Iran has only had two supreme leaders since 1979. We've now talked about them both. The first one was Ayatollah Khomeini and the one currently in power that you just spoke about, Claire, has a very similar sounding name, Khamenei. Yeah, and we really need to emphasise that the women calling for death to the oppressor are ordinary, everyday Iranian women. Mm. They haven't shown up for organised protests in the way that we think about them. They are literally just springing up in the streets. And even in the notorious Even Prism that houses a lot of political prisoners, there have been massive fires there over the past few days. And people listening might remember that's the jail that held Australian academic Kylie Moore Gilbert just a couple of years ago. We have done a shortcut on her. Yeah, and for obvious reasons, it's hard to get accurate information out of the prison. Mm. Uh, but Moore Gilbert herself thinks that the prisoners started the fires as part of these protests. Uh, Iranian state media says that at least four people have died in those fires and 61 more have been injured. But the toll, of course, could be much higher than that. So really, you can't overstate the fact that literally every Iranian woman who protests, Claire, is risking their life. 
Yeah, that's right. And the Iranian government is responding with lethal force. A couple of the most horrific cases, uh, which have just enraged the populations even further, are two 16-year-old girls, Nika Shakarami and Serena Esmalzadeh. Uh, they went missing in different parts of Iran after joining protests and their bodies were eventually returned to their families. But uh, it was clear from their injuries that they had been viciously beaten to death. All of this, you read about it, but when you really, really think about it, it's just so horrific and so far from what we experience here in Australia as women. Mm. It's hard to deliver this shortcut without saying that. Posters of these girls are now being hung on buildings, Claire, around Iran. Yeah, and Iranian human rights agencies estimate that 28 children have been killed in these protests. Uh, Many more have been detained and making it even worse, the government just keeps putting out false statements. So it's said that those two 16-year-old girls who died, uh, that they committed suicide after jumping off buildings. And then authorities forced their families to go on state TV to confirm that account. It seems, though, by all accounts, that Iranians are seeing through all this. The state propaganda just doesn't seem to be deterring protesters in Iran or outside of Iran. No, and in fact, if anything, it seems to be fueling the anger. Uh, ordinary Iranians are thinking that Masa or Nika or Serena, uh, that it could have been me or my child or my grandchild. And you touched on it before, Claire, but it is really difficult to get a full picture of what's happening in Iran. There's no free press there. There is no free press there and journalists who operate in the country risk their lives every day, uh, including the female reporter who broke the story about Masa Amini. Uh, She's been thrown in jail and other foreign organisations like the BBC or CNN can't report from Iran. So really how people are putting all of this together, it's through those videos that have been posted to social media uh, and then trying to verify those. To make that even more difficult, the government is trying to disrupt internet services and block phone signals. Yeah, but where there's a will, there's a way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Iranians are still managing to send videos of protests via messaging apps uh, and those images are still being posted on social media. So I guess the question really is what's going to become of all of this? Will anything change for Iranians, especially Iranian women, after all these protests? Let's have a look at that next. Before we get into what might be in the news next week, a message from our podcast advertiser, BHP. This week, they're keen to share with Squizzers how the resources they mine are key to the energy transition to renewable energy. Yeah, we often hear about the push towards renewable energy, but what doesn't get as much attention is the role resources play in making that transition possible. Take steel, for instance. It's a key material used in the construction of renewable energy infrastructure as well as in bridges, transportation, hospitals and schools. And a big part of it comes from iron ore. BHP says the importance of responsibly produced Australian iron ore is clear. And by that, they mean reducing the greenhouse gas emissions associated with iron ore production. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power their port facilities at Port Hedland. It's happening now at BHP. And if you want to learn more, visit bhp.com forward slash critical. You'll find that link in your episode notes. Claire, the Ayatollah appeared on Iranian state television just the other night, declaring the Islamic Republic was an unshakable tree, that's the translation, and no one should dare think they can uproot it. It's sort of a veiled attempt at telling protesters they will not get their way. 
Yeah, that's what he seems to be saying. And he's also accused the United States and Israel of masterminding anti-regime protests. Uh, He says that those countries have used the incident involving Massa to sow discontent uh, because they want to overthrow the government. So it's this anti-West sentiment that he's putting out there to his people. It's worth pointing out, of course, these protests started over the wearing of hijabs, but they have become a broader demonstration. Really, a lot of frustrations with the government seem to have boiled over. Yeah, that's right. It's turned into calls to scrap a whole range of religious restrictions. Uh, And now there are a whole lot of protesters calling for full-blown revolution uh, to kick out the Islamic dictatorship and to replace it with a democracy. And there are some key figures in the government who think they need to bend to the protesters on things like the hijab to basically help restore order and not threaten the entire Islamic Republic. Yeah, that's right. One of those who gave an interview was Ali Larajani. He's a former Speaker of the Parliament uh, and an advisor to the Ayatollah. Uh, He said that if the regime keeps trying to enforce social values, there will be violent reactions. Uh, He's also pointed out for a long time that probably half of all Iranian women haven't followed the strict dress code, so involving the police is just wrong. So I guess the question is, how much should we read into the fact that a handful of senior Iranian figures are prepared to speak out? Or is this a sort of a play? It's definitely something because dissent really isn't tolerated. Mm. Uh, Another lawmaker who's on a powerful committee in the parliament said that the government had to learn to understand the new generation, uh, which really is a majority of the protesters. Yeah, so it's fair to say some in the regime think the whole Islamic Republic, as I touched on earlier, is under threat. Yeah, that's right. And they can see this protest is driven by young people Mm. uh, like the women we've talked about today. Uh, They are more detached from the strict religious protocols and political ideology uh, than their parents and their grandparents. Uh, They can see what a head of steam this has already gathered uh, and it's turned from a dress code into people talking about revolution and wanting democracy. As far as where this will go, we do not know the answer to that. No one really does. But it supercharged this debate about democracy in Iran. And that's your shortcut to Masa Armini and those protests in Iran and around the world. Each week we give you a recommendation for some further reading, listening or watching. We chatted briefly, Claire, about the fashions of Iranian women. Got a link to some images of Iranian women before the 1979 revolution, wearing those jeans, as we all do here in the West. Yep, it's interesting to look back and see that that was so long ago to where we are now. Uh, And we also mentioned the journalist who broke the story about Masa Amini. I've got a read uh, on the terrible price that that journalist has paid for bringing this to the world's attention. Yeah, as always, we'll pop a link to both of those in your episode notes. Thanks, as always, for listening to Squeeze Shortcuts. Next week, our shortcut will be on the budget. We know that's happening. It's in the diary. Uh, Our Squeeze Shortcut will get you across the background to it all and what it means for you. Until next week. Kate Watson, co-host of News Club and The Weekly Wrap, jumping in here to say thank you for listening to our podcasts first and foremost. And if you like them, we'd really appreciate it if you could share them. Tell your mates about us. Tell your family.
tell your barista, tell your hairdresser, whoever you think might be interested in the news that we cover. You telling people about us is still the number one way we grow. Thanks in advance.